0: Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. The next two hours are devoted to learning something more, not just about the world of shoes and ships and sealing wax, but about how, what, and why we believe as we do. A time for the open-minded, willing to challenge some of those old ideas behind what we think we know, who we are, and who we might just become. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right, our chat room is open, and my partner, Ravinder, awaits you there now. You can log on by going to ProvocativeEnlightenment.com forward slash chat. We have a great chat room, some wonderful folks that join us uh, in the chat room. So, Ravinder, you want to tell us all about it?
1: We do have a great chat room, and now everyone's back from their summer Vacation it's an even greater chat room because it is buzzing today, so do come join us at provocativeenlightenment.com dot com forward slash chat The conversation is always most exciting
0: you know and and for people that might be tuning into the show on one of the rebroadcasts because this is a syndicated show uh, that chat room is still available it may not be live, but they can see what the comments were and and when you play a video, they can still watch the video. And That's so on. correct.
1: And there are questions and answers that you know may be helpful to them. And oftentimes we'll get the guest or a representative of the guest coming in there and they provide additional information and URLs and links and stuff. So it's definitely worth checking out.
0: Yeah, I, I check it out at the end of every show. <laughs> All right, in the spotlight this week, we turn our attention to the Minds Interface with the Internet and eavesdropping. Perhaps you have seen or read some science fiction work where mind to mind communication took place over thousands of miles. I know I've seen stories of this ilk before, and uh, probably now for some 45 years. Well, last week, science fiction once again emerged as science fact. The headline in Science News read, quote, Direct brain to brain communication demonstrated in human subjects. Close quote. The article went on to explain that this communication took place over a great distance. In a first-of-its-kind study, an international team of neuroscientists and robotics engineers have demonstrated the viability of direct brain-to-brain communication in humans. The highly novel finding described the successful transmission of information via the Internet between the intact scalps of two human subjects located 5,000 miles apart. Okay, so now we've got a multicranial type of cap, an internet interface, and they're communicating mind-to-mind. Mind-to-mind. You get that. The article continued adding this, by using advanced precision neurotechnologies, including wireless EEG and roboticized TMS, we were able to directly and non-invasively transmit a thought from one person to another without them having to speak or write. This is in itself a remarkable step in human communication, but being able to do so across a distance of thousands of miles is a critically important proof of principle for the development of brain-to-brain communications. We believe these experiments represent an important first step in exploring the feasibility of complementing or bypassing traditional language based or mortar based communication. Close quote. Now that in and of itself should get everyone's attention. Mind to mind over the internet? I mean think of the possibilities. I mean we're we're not gonna it's not going to be a Facebook anymore. It's gonna be what, a mind book Ravinder? All right, think of this one added into your soup. In another article appearing in many places last week, we read of mysterious towers that are capable of spying on our calls, our Internet usage, even our time in front of the television. The headline on Yahoo's finance page read, quote, mysterious fake cell phone towers are intercepting calls all over the U.S., close quote. Now this report, which was originally published in Popular Science, informed us that rather than offering you cell phone service, the towers appear to be connecting to nearby phones, bypassing their encryption, and either tapping calls or reading texts. Now you may find this interesting as well. The article added, quote, Les Goldsmith, the CEO of ESD America, used ESD's CryptoFoam 500 to detect 17 bogus cell phone towers. ESD is a leading American defense and law enforcement technology provider based in Las Vegas. Although it is unclear who owns the towers, ESD found that several of them were located near U.S. military bases. Whose interceptor is it? Who are they? that are listening to calls around military bases? Is it just the U.S. military, or are they foreign governments doing it? The point is, we don't really know whose they are, Goldsmith told Popular Science. Close quote. But that's not all. These towers, one of which I drive by every day as I pass Fairchild Air Force Base, are capable of much more. According to information reported by Michael Thalen, they are mesh networks, and they fit into the mesh networks that exist around the country. For example, in Washington State, where I live, quote, the mesh network system funded with a $2.6 million port of Seattle grant from the Department of Homeland Security allows several groups within Seattle to communicate outside of normal cellular channels via mesh network nodes, Attached to utility poles while collecting vast amounts of information from the city's surveillance systems. Page 65 of the document details the Network Mesh Systems, NMS, ability to collect identifying data on anyone accessing the network. A public user guide from the network's designer, Aruba Software, openly admits that a wealth of information about unassociated devices can be retrieved as well. Quoting, The NMS also collects information about every Wi-Fi client accessing the network, including its MAC address, IP address, signal intensity, data rate, and traffic status. Additional NMS features include a fault management system for issuing alarms and logging events according to a set of customizable filtering rules along with centralized and version-controlled remote updating of the Aruba Mesh operating system software, Close quote. Cell phone users walking within the vicinity of a network node could not only have their IP address grabbed, but even have the last thousand GPS locations taken as well. So the technology has evolved to the point that we can communicate over thousands of miles mind to mind using the internet and somehow out there someone can read our minds collect all of our info etc etc while we're doing so thoughts on this one Ravinder
1: you know I could be sitting here freaking out over everything you're saying but I look up at you and you're laughing at it all and it's like, it, it, it's a, there's a disconnect there, but then on the other hand, what can you do about it? I mean, there is, I can see a whole new world that we are walking into right now. And I don't know what, you know, what's going to come of it. I think it's up to everyone to stay aware and yeah, get Be educated aware. because Be aware. knowledge is power and that's the only way to Protect yourself from iPhone, all of this. You know,
0: the new iPhone's got a one pay now. All you have to do is put your thumb or your, your fingerprint out there and bang, it just pays for whatever you're buying. It was released just yesterday.
1: But I have to wonder... But this if is...
0: you do that, <laughs> how many millions of fingerprints are on file?
1: Uh-huh. And,
0: and, and here... You, uh, okay, yeah, but we are in a world where data is uh, as expensive as gold.
1: It is, and you and have... And
0: mined much more vigorously.
1: (laughs) And everyone's tapping into the information that's out there. You know, there isn't any protection.
0: No, no, and there certainly should be, but okay, we'll just call this, you know, the reason I smile as I'm reading this is you would think I'm reading a fiction book, you know?
1: Yeah, heavy-duty fiction that is a bit too far-fetched to believe, but it's not, it's coming true every day right now.
0: You're right. All right, every week I read some of your letters as our way of recognizing the very important role you play in making this show successful. Last week, our guest was Dr. Carl Callum, and we discussed his work and book, The Global Mind and the Rise of Civilization. Dan wrote, I heard a lot of words but failed to make the connection. How did the calendar cause the events in history? Well, that's a good point, Dan, but despite the fact that Dr. Callum did state that there was a causal relationship he was not stating that the actual cause was the calendar. I think he meant to move the correlation beyond the point of a correlation, and more to a causal link based on the relationship. So in other words, if every time the calendar predicts an event and the event occurs, then one begins to think of this in a causal sort of way. But just because, for example, a psychic may give you six correct predictions in a row of future events... That does not mean that the psychic caused the events. Moving on, Amy commented, Very interesting show, but it left me with many questions. I would like to believe that we all share one mind, but the idea that this mind is tethered to Earth just somehow doesn't fit for me. CB quipped, If humans are representative of Earth's mind, I think Earth is having a schizophrenic episode. (laughs) BT wrote, loved your show, loved your rant. Starbucks should be sued in a class action over this one. Just imagine how many people they called thieves, at least by way of implication. And what about the embarrassment if you didn't have another way to pay? They, they're certainly not caring for their customers. Go get them, Dr. E. Now, if you missed last week's show, then you also missed my rant regarding Starbucks. Bottom line? They've instigated a practice whereby they impound your prepaid monies by canceling your Starbucks card. When you go to use the card, their baristas inform you that the card is stolen or lost. It's only when you contact Starbucks that you learn that your account was canceled. Gwyneth wrote, loved your rant on Starbucks. Uh, Thank you for standing up, speaking out for what is right. I wonder how much money Starbucks makes in interest on the seized funds of innocent people. Brian added, not to mention how much money is floating in prepaid accounts for any company. If there is a class action suit against Starbucks, I'm willing to bet the refund to customers will not amount to a hill of beans. Unless one is on the winning attorney team. For them, beans plenty. We got some really smart folks, you know. <laughs> uh, you may be right, Brian, but if the only remedy was the refund of your money, uh, I I somehow think that there could be a case here for punitive damages. Think of the slander involved when you approach a strange clerk with your prepaid Starbucks card, and he or she tells you, and the line of folks behind you, sorry, I can't take this card, it's reported stolen or lost. A story Starbucks management passes out to their help that is entirely false. Indeed, I like the chat room comment about this activity, quote, test marketing grand theft perhaps, close quote. (laughs) In other words, they are knowingly slandering their customers in front of other customers and bystanders while effectively seizing your money. How about that angle, Brian, or any of you hungry attorneys that might be listening in? Now, in fairness, Starbucks did phone me on Monday of this week, and the representative, whose name I cannot use because permission to do so was denied by her, reactivated my old account, something nearly everyone said could not be done. When she informed me that our conversation was being recorded, I said, Great, I'll record it on this end as well. To that, she quickly informed me that I did not have permission to do so, and she would be forced to end the call if I did. So I relented and instead asked why my account was inactivated. She informed me that it was because their policy requires that you be at least 13 years of age to hold the card. I'm not kidding now. Uh, For several years, I've loaded my my, uh, Starbucks card using my American Express. How many children under 13 have an American Express? This I can say for certain. My online account access is still closed. And when I finished the phone call where my gold card was allegedly reactivated, and I say that because I haven't tried to use the card, it was clear to me that to Starbucks, it is a privilege to do business with him. So be grateful. All right. All right. On another note, Kinda wrote, hi, not too long ago, Ravinder wrote some about her experience with an Intertalk CD, Up From Depression. She said she now calls it the happy one. I just crossed out the title Up From Depression on my CD and changed it to happy with a smiley face. Well, great for you, Kinda. You, you see what you started? We're going to uh-huh. have to retitle the program. Edward wrote, I have worn out my Intertox CD discs after several years of continuous use. I have been more than satisfied with my Intertox CD titles and want to keep listening to them in the future. My CD discs have too many scratches and other worn-out effects on them, so I want to replace them. Thank you. Well, now, for all of you out there, we do have a special program for replacement of your Intertalk CDs, so if you've worn them out, give us a call. Ewa wrote, and I hope I'm saying that right, I have been listening to Serenity Intertalk CD almost three times today. I had a lot on my mind and I forgot what it was I was so worried about when I realized that I am totally enjoying the program. I smiled to myself with much happiness and gratitude for listening to the Hay House Summit and learning about Eldon Taylor. Stacy wrote, "I have been using the Children's Self-Esteem CD for my son for two weeks and have definitely noticed some great changes." And Julie wrote, "I have heard many wonderful things about your products. I am here to see and hear for myself." Thank you. Well, no, the thank you is to you, Julie, and you know we invite all of you to do just that. Visit InterTalk.com today, my pretty bride, my partner Ravinder. She and her team have just refaced that website, and so it's brand new today. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters, but I do invite you to opine by sending your comments to Eldon at eldentaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook. Now to this week's show. Do we plan our lives before we're born? Do we choose our parents, as many insist? Does the entanglement of the stars we are born under and the probabilities inherent in our nature and nurture environments preset our lives? If we plan our lives, how complete are the plans? Do accidents ever happen? I mean, are there any coincidences in life or is everything that happens supposed to happen in the result of our plan? Let's assume we make a plan. What is the basis for our plan? Are we trying to work out some karma or live up to some dharma or exactly what? Think about it. Did you plan your life before you entered the world of incarnate beings? I mean, think about it this way. How many people do you know that actually plan their lives once they're here? Enter today's guest, Robert Schwartz, regression therapist, speaker, and author of Your Soul's Plan, discovering the real meaning of the life you planned before you were born, and Your Soul's Gift, the healing power of the life you planned before you were born. His copy reads, quote, In a personal session with a medium in 2003, Robert Schwartz was astonished to speak with non-physical beings who knew everything about him, not just what he had done in life, but also what he had thought and felt. They told him that he had planned many of his most difficult experiences before he was born. Realizing that a knowledge of pre-birth planning would bring great healing to people and allow them to understand the deeper purpose of their life challenges, he decided to devote his life to the study of pre-birth planning. The extraordinary insights that have emerged from his work speak to our heartfelt, universal yearning to know why. Close quote. Okay, on that, let's get him in here. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Mr. Robert Schwartz. You're up, sir. Time for you.
2: Hello, Eldon.
0: It's a pleasure. Oh, okay, we got you. I said welcome to the show, sir. To begin with, Robert, We like to get three things from our guest. What is the message? Who is the messenger? And how do we use the information? So let's please begin by having you share a little about yourself, where you grew up and when and why you sought out a medium where your life path appears to have changed. And, of course, it obviously couldn't have. You must have made a plan for this all to happen. Uh,
2: Well, Eldon, I I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio, I live not far from there now, uh, in a very conventional family. I had a conventional education based on the scientific method. Mediumship is not part of my conventional upbringing, so that was quite a departure for me when I got to that stage in my life. Uh, and I went the corporate route for a number of years. I have an MBA, which I think is probably unusual for the author of a couple of New Age books. But I was in the corporate sector uh, back in 2003, before that session with the medium. And uh, I felt deeply unfulfilled by this work. You know, I used to tell people at the time, I had the feeling that if I were to fall off the face of the earth, uh, none of my clients would even know that I were gone. They would simply plug someone else into my role and carry right along. But at the same time, I had the sense that there was a higher calling or a higher purpose for my life. I just didn't know what it was, and I wasn't even sure how to figure out what it was. So coming as I did from a very conventional background, My first attempts to resolve this, what you could call, existential dilemma, were very conventional in nature. I started off by going to a career counselor, I took the Myers-Briggs inventory, found out that I'm an INFJ personality type, and frankly, that really did me no good at all. Then I went to friends and family and I said, you know, I'm really not fulfilled by this corporate work that I'm doing. I feel that there's a higher calling or purpose for my life, but I don't know what it is. What do you think I should be doing with my life? this, by the way, is never a good question to ask other people. So about half the people I asked literally shrugged their shoulders and said, I don't know. And the other half advised me to do whatever they were doing for a living, which, as you can imagine, was not tremendously helpful. So when neither of those things shed any light on the matter, I thought to myself, all right, I've got to think outside the box here. What can I do to find out my... And this idea came to me, go see a medium. Knowing what I know now, I have to believe that idea was whispered in my ear by a spirit guide. But at the time, I didn't even know what a spirit guide was. So on May 7th of 2003, I had the session with the medium that you referred to. It's now something I do regularly, but at the time, it was the first time I had ever done that. The medium explained to me what a spirit guide is and she said a spirit guide is a highly evolved, non-physical being with whom we plan our lives before we're born and who then guides us through our lives after we get here. And through this particular medium, I was actually able to talk with my guide. Now, again, coming as I did from a very conventional background, somewhat scientific background, I might very well have dismissed all of this as some kind of delusion on my part, except that, as you mentioned, the guides knew very personal things about me. In fact, they knew things that I had never shared with literally anyone else. And I'll give you an example that made a big impression on me. Five years prior to that session with the medium, I had been going through a very difficult time in my personal life. And one day when I was home alone, in the privacy of my own home, I said a prayer to God. I didn't even say it out loud. I simply thought it in my mind. And the prayer was, Dear God, I can't get through this alone. Please send help. Now, that was five years before the session with the medium. I didn't even remember having said that prayer. But my spirit guide, speaking through the medium, reminded me of the prayer. And then they said, Your prayer was answered, by which they meant that additional non-physical guidance had been sent. So as you can imagine, if you're talking to two beings, you know literally everything about you, including a prayer you said five years earlier, alone in your own home and silently in your own mind. This gives them a fair amount of credibility. So when they introduced this idea that we plan our lives before we're born, I was listening in rapt attention. So we went on in that session.
0: You know Robert, guy, I'm going to ask you to hold it right yeah. there before because I don't want to interrupt you when when you start going in where we are, but we have a a hard break coming up, the computer will Boot us out, and you'll be talking to me, and our audience won't hear it. So, uh, I'll have you hold that till we come back. When we come back from the break, please pick it up right where you are with what they told you. We are speaking with Robert Schwartz about his work and books, Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift. They're two really provocative reads, um, and you're going to want to read them. You can learn more about him and his work by visiting Your Soul's Plan. Dot com. That's one word, Your YourSoulsPlan.com. Remember to join Ravinder and her team in the chat room. Uh, you can do that by going to ProvocativeEnlightenment.com forward slash chat. Do stay tuned. You don't want to miss what's coming up after a few words from some of our friends.
3: You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Elton Taylor.
4: What is one thing you wish you could change about yourself? What if you could make that change happen with the click of a button? With InnerTalk, Eldon Taylor's patented and scientifically proven and effective technology, change begins to happen the moment you hit play. InnerTalk works by priming how you talk to yourself and when your inner self-talk aligns with your outer goals. Anything becomes possible. Visit www.innertalk.com to find your title today.
3: We were all ensconced in the incredibly mellifluous sounds of the waterless crystal music glasses. Now you can own this music for yourself. Bruce and Sandy Tweedy have created two wonderful CDs. Visit their site and get your copies today. Just go to brucetweedy.com. That's B-R-U-C-E-T-W-E-E-D-Y dot com. brucetweedy.com.
0: If you're new to this show, you may enjoy our archives. You can find more than five years of archives at our site, ProvocativeEnlightenment.com. During that time, we have interviewed Hollywood greats, politicians, psychics, CIA personnel, hard scientists, religious leaders, skeptics, mathematicians, philosophers, social psychologists, best-selling authors, channels, mediums, and more. We have charted the waters of health and wellness, parapsychology, psychic phenomena, UFOs, NDEs, physics, psychology, criminology, neuromarketing, brainwashing, and still more. If any of that sounds like your kind of radio, check out our archives again at provocativeenlightenment.com Be sure to subscribe to our free newsletter while you're there. The
5: way in is the way out change the way you talk to yourself and you change your expectation change your expectation and you change your reality inner talk does just that here's some of what one customer had to say about the power they gained as a result of using inner talk lisa wrote to all you skeptics these subliminal programs actually work this past christmas i gifted myself the following programs prosperity money management and luck. I listen to the prosperity and money management CDs on alternate days on continuous loop at home and while sleeping the luck CD. I listen to every day at home. Also on continuous loop. This is what has happened so far. I've had so many opportunities to work overtime. My union representative has told me that I was due two years back wages for shift differential slash premium. That was due to me. I did not know I was do this. I have paid off my last debt. I am debt-free. I have been consistently entering contests and sweepstakes. I have won a dinner for two at a casino hotel in Atlantic City, won a $100 gift card to The Gap, won $500 cash in a Pennsylvania lottery scratch-off ticket. I seem to get parking spaces when I need them, and I seem to always get good deals on things that I purchase. It does not matter what the item is. Oh, the UPS man just delivered a box of toys. I don't remember what contest I entered, but my nephew will get the toys for his birthday this summer. Please feel free to share my testimony. When you are ready to make changes in your life, inner talk awaits you. Whether you desire to increase prosperity, lose weight, end some addiction, improve your relationships, develop new skill sets, and so forth, InnerTalk is there to serve you. Check out over 300 titles today by going to InnerTalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com.
0: Whether you catch our show on CTR or 12radio.com or bto.net and or bbs.com, we want you to know that we appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor.
6: is not the same I am through with playing by the rules of someone else's game. Too late for second guessing. Too late to go back to sleep. It's time to trust my instincts. Close my eyes and leave Says there's so oh, some things I cannot change, but tell. I-
0: And welcome back. If you just joined us, we're chatting with Robert Schwartz about his work and book. Books, I should say. Plural. Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift. You can learn more about him and his work by visiting YourSoulsPlan.com. Now, we ask our guests for up to three songs. Songs that have some special meaning to them. So now we just played "Define Gravity by Nikki Davis-Jones. Why is this song special to you, Robert, and how does it tell us about who you are?
2: You know, I love that song, Elton. It's from the play Wicked. And apart from being great music, it speaks to the unlimited potential that we all have as souls incarnating on the earth plane. So if we can defy gravity, we can do anything, and, and I believe that. If we have the belief that we can do something, we can do it. If we can be non-physical beings in another dimension, create a life plan, and come into a physical body to execute the plan, then we are
0: truly unlimited. So no love affair involved with this one, huh? None at all. (laughs) Okay, well, some of the lyrics would tend, you know. All right, before the break, you were um, explaining to us what you were told. So please pick it up from there and let's go.
2: Well, in that session with the medium, uh, my guide me about this prayer reminded me of this prayer that i myself had said silently in my own mind and alone in my own home five years earlier and right. they explained that the prayer had been answered and so having established their credibility in that quite profound way they went on to tell me why i had planned certain challenges in my lifetime and we discussed these in some detail now in the days and weeks after that session was over I thought about this perspective constantly, and I can't overstate to you the impact that it had on me. And the effect that it had was that it allowed me to review the course of my life and for the first time in many instances see a deeper meaning or a deeper purpose to the challenging things that had happened. For me, that was a profoundly healing experience. And so it was at that point I realized I was onto a concept that could bring a similar kind of healing to other people, And that was when I first started to think about writing the book that eventually became Your Soul's Plan.
0: Okay, Robert. Now, so today, do you get the information from your clients or for your clients directly or a combination thereof?
2: The information that's in the two books, Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Mm Gift, came through my collaboration with several gifted mediums and channels. Now... In the uh, aftermath of the first book coming out, people started to write to me, and they would say, I'd like to know what my life plan is. And I always wrote back to people for a period of several years, and I said, you know, I myself am not a medium or a channel. If you want to know what you planned before you were born, you should work with one of the mediums in the book. But then I realized there is a way that I can uh, help people get this information directly themselves. Some of your listeners will know about a man named Michael Newton, who is a hypnotherapist who pioneered. He's
0: been on the show.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he pioneered the field of between lives regressions. He refers to them as LBLs or life between lives regressions. This is a type of hypnosis in which the person goes back to the non-physical realm and speaks with what is called the Council of Elders. These are the very wise, loving, and highly evolved beings who oversee the cycle of reincarnation on Earth. So I trained to do those kinds of regressions, and I now offer them myself. This is a potentially life-changing experience, because if you get in front of the council, they can answer any question on any subject, including telling you what you planned before you were born, how you're doing with fulfilling the plan, and what you can do to better fulfill the plan. So it's truly transformative.
0: Okay, now... mm. So we're basically, we're using hypnosis. I just want to make sure I'm clear on this, okay? We're using hypnosis. Um, The subject has come to you, so they have an expectation about what's going to happen. You've essentially told them about hypnosis, I assume, used an induction. What do you now say to them?
2: It's not so much what I say to them. It's what they say. To the council, or what I think to the council. No, no, I, the, I,
0: I'm thinking of the induction. I mean, you you so say we now attempt. we're going to go back to that point between lives, or wh- how do you direct? That's what I'm looking for. And, and And, you know, this isn't a trick question, but my background is all in forensic work, so I know that, well, not all, but largely, I know that in forensic work, if we're talking to a witness... Well you know we're using hypnosis to revivify information. The last thing in the world you would say is uh, describe the man to me doing that is uh, is suggested to the subject that that it was a man uh, so you might you know your guiding would be more indirect so that's what i'm asking what how is it you you guide them
2: well i I use the original induction that Michael Newton himself wrote when he pioneered the field of OBL regression, except that it's been improved through clinical application over the years since he wrote it. It's quite long. It takes a good hour to get through it. It starts with a progressive physical relaxation. Then it goes through a number of mental relaxation exercises. Uh, There's an age regression. Then there's an abbreviated past life regression. Now, when you do a past life regression by itself, the purposes are obtaining helpful information and healing. It still serves those two purposes within the context of a between life regression, but the reason we do it here as part of the between life session is to get the person to the end of the past lifetime, and then they transition out of the body in the past life and back into the non-physical realm, which I know sounds a little bit ominous, but it's actually very easy, very natural, and everybody who's listening now has done it literally hundreds of times. Once they're back into the non-physical, a lot of different things can happen. About 80% of my clients are greeted by a spirit guide. We talk to the guide briefly about why they were shown their particular past life they saw. And then we ask the guide to escort them to the council of others. And then the rest of the session is the conversation with the council, usually about what their life plan is and how they're doing in terms of fulfilling the plan.
0: All right. Let's. Uh, Michael told me on the air that he uh, was very careful not to suggest anything yeah. having to do with a past life, etc. But we'll leave that uh, for the moment. Uh, let's talk about your spiritual orientation. Uh, you know, as a young person, um, obviously you must have been raised in some community of religion. Uh, because you had this notion that, you know, your life just wasn't being fulfilled. Tell us about that, and, and does it bias you at all today?
2: I was raised in a Reform Jewish family. We celebrated primarily just the major holidays. I did have a bar mitzvah, uh, but that was basically the extent of my involvement in organized religion. The feeling that I had later in life that I wasn't fulfilling what you could call my full plan for my lifetime. Didn't come in any way from organized religion or anything I learned growing up in a Jewish household. It wasn't a mental construct. It was an intuitive feeling. It was just an inner knowing in my heart that I was not doing what I came here to do. Uh, I can't describe it any more accurately than that.
0: Okay, so sort of noetic feeling. Let me let me ask you this. Uh, when you you describe in your book, right in the very beginning, you talk about a room and a chessboard that's all involved with this pre-life planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you come about, you know, um, an understanding of that? Flesh that story out for us, please.
2: I believe what you're referring to is something that one of the medium scenes, which she describes. Yes. She describes it often, uh, not so much as a chessboard, but more as a flow chart. So what is a flow chart? A flow chart is a series of decisions. If you do A, then X will happen. If you do B, then Y will happen. So when she goes into people's pre-birth planning sessions, she sees what appears to her, in her mind's eye, to be this incredibly vast and elaborate flow chart, so extensive that it's really almost beyond human comprehension. This is the life plan. But what's important to understand and why it appears in flowchart format to her is that there isn't just a plan A for a person's life. There is. But there's also a plan B, C, D, E, F, and on and on and on, again, almost beyond human comprehension. The reason you have all those what you could call backup plans is because each individual has free will. Your soul knows that you have free will. Your soul wants you to use your free will. And your soul knows that you will most likely use your free will to deviate from the so-called plan A. That is not a bad thing, because it's through those free will choices that we learn and grow and heal and evolve. But your soul puts these backup plans into place so that eventually, regardless of what free will decisions you make, you will get to the end point, which is the desired learning or healing or both.
0: Okay, let me ask this then. Uh, are there any such things as accidents that take place in the world, or you know, is it as everybody says, everything that happens is uh, you know supposed to happen?
2: Well, there's there's a very, as I understand it, a very intricate and elegant intersection between free will and pre-birth planning. And let me let me give you a hypothetical story. That Please. This. Let's say that there is a soul, uh, and I'm going to arbitrarily use the name Sally and female pronouns, so please understand no sexism is intended. Let's say there's a soul named Sally who has had a multiple incarnation history of making certain plans before she comes into body, but when she gets here, she defers to the wishes of others. She allows other people to tell her how to live her life. Not an uncommon thing to do. So when Sally has her life review, at the end of those lifetimes as we all do. She sees that she has this tendency and she resolves to heal it. To do that, she will carry that tendency to defer to the wishes of others back into body energetically in another lifetime. Again, not for the purpose of expressing Basically
0: how it works. You know, uh, that calls into question many things to me, so I'm, I'm just going to take the boldest one first. Um, we have discussed in the past on this show ideas that uh, have been put forward about bad guys coming into the world to do bad things because it's all part of a plan. So we have a 14-year-old girl who fails to um, please her Pakistani uh, husband, new husband, and he cuts her ears and her nose off and discards her. Implied in what you just told me um, is some kind of a plan. Uh, He planned to be the bad guy? Um, Is that what you're telling us, Robert? I've asked the same
2: question that you just asked in the channeling sessions that we did for Your Soul's Plan, and even more so uh, in the second book, Your Soul's Gift. Um, I put this question specifically to Jesus, one of the channels who's new in Your Soul's Gift, channels Jesus, and he speaks through her. He uses his given Hebrew name, Yeshua. And I put the same kinds of questions to him. And the way he explained it to me is that It's not correct to say that the soul is all love and all light. The soul is a combination, according to him, of both light and darkness. And overall, it's evolving towards pure light. So the way he explains it is it's as though a higher part of the soul allows what we would call a lower part of the soul to live out this sort of uh, bad guy or evil role that you just, just described in the hope that there will be a purification or a clarification process, eventually leading toward a movement toward greater light and toward greater love. So the potential for these sorts of tragic experiences is known before birth. It is planned before birth. Uh, and it's part of a larger evolution toward greater love and toward greater life, as hard as that may be for us to compromise around. Yeah, that that um
0: uh, that I suppose takes a suspension of disbelief to quote Hillary Clinton in my book, okay? Uh but be that as it may, fundamental to your work is the notion of an Akashic record, something that Blavatsky characterized as a, a sort of life force. She also referred to it, I believe, as the indestructible tablets of um, astral light. Now <clears throat> When you look at the literature, you see that Alfred Percy Sinnett is the first person to really start talking about an Akasa, an Akashic record, and that Leadbeater, uh, the clairvoyant Leadbeater, uh, uh, I think it was in 1899, published a book where he spoke of the Akashic record. My my question is this, I mean, we see a lot of information come and go today, and it's it's you know, some of it just seems to fit very conveniently with the needs of the day, uh, changes in the times. It's uh, It reminds me of the Mayan calendar and all those uh, doomsday uh, eschatolo- eschatological event soothsayers who changed their mind and said, no, it was a change of consciousness, not the end of time, uh, as we got closer. So... <clears throat> my question then is you're talking to Jeshua, I assume maybe that's Christ, Jesus, you know, why is it that we didn't hear from Buddha, Mahavira, Muhammad, uh, Jesus, uh, anything about an Akashic record that had to wait until uh, what, the 20th century to come onto the scene?
2: Well, you, you know, the answers that you get depend upon the questions that you ask, and uh, Jeshua and buddha and all the great teachers that we know of they're available to us if we seek them out either through channels or through our own development of our intuitive and psychic skills but they're available to talk with us about the akashic record or anything else we would like to know about i've asked joshua in the channeling for my books about the akashic record he describes it as the complete non-physical record of every action, word, and thought relevant to the Earth plane, including the pre-birth planning. And he talks about it uh, as a, quote-unquote, living library. So he says it's not static the way a physical library would be here on Earth. It's dynamic, it's changing, it's growing, it's evolving. Some of this is actually beyond my comprehension. But I do understand that it does record everything relevant to the earth plane, including the pre-birth planning. So in my book, uh, when we want to know what somebody had planned before they were born, one of the ways that some of the mediums and channels access that kind of information is by going into the Akashic Record and looking up the pre-birth plan.
0: Okay. Well, I guess my question was more to why is it you don't think we hadn't heard about an Akashic record before the 20th century? But if you're speaking to them now, and if I understand you correctly, you are, and they're telling you about it now, um, I guess, you know, that's the answer to the question, isn't it?
2: Well, I think they've been telling different people long before recent centuries, but that information isn't necessarily in recorded form where we could date it.
0: Okay, well, you know, look, when you read the Gitas, and and, and most of what you talk about in your book comes from Hindu-Buddhist traditions. Uh, When you read the Gitas, you find that Shiva tells Arjuna uh, that his dharma is to be a warrior leader and that he is, therefore, to kill his kindred and friends in battle. How much of our life plans are built on dharma as opposed to karmic consequences, such as the uh, uh, hypothetical you shared with us earlier?
2: I think dharma is a large part of it. I don't know that I can quantify it for you. But I think we all have a dharma a purpose that we come here to fulfill, multiple purposes. Uh, and this is a big part of the free-birth planning. You know, when when I went with the mediums into the free-birth planning session, we could listen to the conversations people had, With their future parents, their future children, uh, their future lovers, friends, enemies, if they were in fact planning to have enemies. And I put these conversations verbatim into the book. A large part of those conversations revolved around what will be my purpose? Why am I coming into body? And very often, uh, in fact, always to one degree or another, the purpose had something to do with service to others. Now, People who read spiritual and metaphysical literature
0: will be familiar. Stop with- you. I hate to interrupt you, but that uh-huh. is a great place to stop you. When we come back, let's pick up the purpose and service. Um, again, if you would like to know more about Robert Schwartz, his book, his works, Your Soul's Plan and or Your Soul's Gift, visit his website, yoursoulsplan.com or check out the links on provocativeenlightenment.com. All right, we have a film featuring Robert for you with a discussion about the Council of Elders and how you might appear before them. You can watch it in our chat room during the break, so if you're not already, not already there, my tongue wraps up, now's the time to join the fun. Just go to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. We'll be right
3: back. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Elton Taylor.
4: What is one thing you wish you could change about yourself? What if you could make that change happen with the click of a button? With InnerTalk, Eldon Taylor's patented and scientifically proven and effective technology, change begins to happen the moment you hit play. InnerTalk works by priming how you talk to yourself and when your inner self-talk aligns with your outer goals. Anything becomes possible. Visit www.innertalk.com to find your title today.
3: We were all ensconced in the incredibly mellifluous sounds of the waterless crystal music glasses. Now you can own this music for yourself. Bruce and Sandy Tweedy have created two wonderful CDs. Visit their site and get your copies today. Just go to brucetweedy.com. That's B-R-U-C-E-T-W-E-E-D-Y dot com. brucetweedy.com. If
0: you're new to this show, you may enjoy our archives. You can find more than five years of archives at our site, ProvocativeEnlightenment.com. During that time, we have interviewed Hollywood greats, politicians, psychics, CIA personnel, hard scientists, religious leaders, skeptics, mathematicians, philosophers, social psychologists, best-selling authors, channels, mediums, and more. We have charted the waters of health and wellness, parapsychology, psychic phenomena, UFOs, NDEs, physics, psychology, criminology, neuromarketing, brainwashing, and still more. If any of that sounds like your kind of radio, check out our archives again at ProvocativeEnlightenment.com Be sure to subscribe to our free newsletter while you're there.
5: The way in is the way out change the way you talk to yourself and you change your expectation change your expectation and you change your reality inner talk does just that here's some of what one customer had to say about the power they gained as a result of using inner talk lisa wrote to all you skeptics these subliminal programs actually work this past christmas i gifted myself the following programs prosperity money management and luck. I listened to the prosperity and money management CDs on alternate days on continuous loop at home and while sleeping the luck CD. I listen to every day at home. Also on continuous loop. This is what has happened so far. I've had so many opportunities to work overtime. My union representative has told me that I was due two years back wages for shift differential slash premium. That was due to me. I did not know I was do this. I have paid off my last debt. I am debt free. I have been consistently entering contests and sweepstakes. I have won a dinner for two at a casino hotel in Atlantic City, won a $100 gift card to The Gap, won $500 cash in a Pennsylvania Lottery scratch off ticket. I seem to get parking spaces when I need them, and I seem to always get good deals on things that I purchase. It does not matter what the item is. Oh, the UPS man just delivered a box of toys. I don't remember what contest I entered, but my nephew will get the toys for his birthday this summer. Please feel free to share my testimony. When you are ready to make changes in your life, inner talk awaits you. Whether you desire to increase prosperity, lose weight, end some addiction, improve your relationships, develop new skill sets, and so forth, InnerTalk is there to serve you. Check out over 300 titles today by going to innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K dot com.
0: Whether you catch our show on CTR or 12radio.com, or bto.net and or bbs.com. We want you to know that we appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor.
6: you so quiet and cold. Together we time.
0: Welcome back. If you're just joining us, we're chatting with Robert Schwartz about Your Soul's Plan. Now, Robert, we just played your second musical choice. Now, how much self-disclosure do we get out of this one? Somewhere from West Side Story, sung by Barbara Streisand. I mean, I love her. So please tell us, what's this music? Why is it meaningful to you? Robert? Well, I'm not sure. It looks like maybe. Are you there? Uh, I'm here. Are you there? I'm here. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, I just we just played somewhere by uh, Barbara Streisand. Barbara, well, from West Side Story. What's the significance of this music to you, sir?
2: I just feel that it's one of the most beautiful and romantic pieces of music I've ever heard, and the story of the romance between Tony and Maria and West Side Story is uh, just so beautiful and touching and heartbreaking. It's, this
0: has always been one of my favorite pieces of music. Yeah, it is. All right, let me ask you this. Before the break, you were explaining to us that there was a uniform story. Um, don't let me put words in your mouth, but it had to do with a purpose, our purpose having um, somehow to be equated with service. You want to pick it up from there?
2: Yes. Uh, When I worked with the mediums and channels in Your Soul's Plan and and for Your Soul's Gift, and we went into people's pre-birth planning sessions and listened to the conversations they had with the significant people who were going to be with them in the upcoming lifetime, uh, one thing we found is that uh, the purpose with those people in coming into body, always to one degree or another, in one form or another, entailed service to others. Now, if you read spiritual or metaphysical literature, you're familiar with the concept of oneness. That is the idea that there's only one being in the universe. It's you and it's me, it's everyone listening today. We're all individualized expressions of the one. So, the way I conceptualize the orientation towards service is that it's a natural expression of oneness consciousness, which is our natural state of consciousness when we're in the non physical. So in other words, if you and I are planning a lifetime together and you experience that I am literally you, it's not just an intellectual concept the way it is here, but you actually experience that I am literally you, then of course you will want to be of service to me. And conversely, if I experience that you are literally me, then of course I want to be of service to you. So in the pre-birth planning session, we heard souls planning their lives, and in particular, major life challenges, so that they could be of service to one another in some way and help each other learn what they came here to learn.
0: Okay. Bring that down to how I deal with it, okay? I, I, love, I love the idea, <clears throat> uh, but here we are, and I just turned the news on, and there's another beheading, and uh, it's these folks, ISIS. And... Uh, and at this point in time, you know, I am now incorporating the idea of oneness. Is I mean, you know, where where does the pedal meet the metal uh, with this kind of thinking, Robert?
2: Well, let's take one of the stories from one of the books. In Your Soul's Plan, there's a chapter about the pre-birth planning of uh, so-called accidents, which you asked about earlier. And there are two stories there. One of them is a woman named Christina who... She's now in her 60s, but uh, many years ago when she was in her 20s, she was employed as an administrative assistant at Pomona College in Southern California. One of Christina's daily duties in that job was to pick up her boss's mail. The mailboxes were located in the basement of the building in which she worked. So on one particular day, just as she had done dozens and dozens of times before, Christina descended the stairs to the basement mailboxes. But unbeknownst to her on that day, somebody had planted a pipe bomb in her employer's mailbox. So when she inserted her hand to pick up her boss's mail, the pipe bomb detonated. And the force from this explosion was so great that it picked her up off the ground, hurled her 10 feet backwards against a concrete wall. There were six-foot splinters of wood that were shot like arrows out of a bow into the wall around her. Two fingers were severed, both eardrums were ruptured, and flames from the explosion scorched Christina's body from head to toe. When she got to the hospital, doctors actually had to hold magnets over her eyeballs to extract the shrapnel from the pipe. So we're talking here about a level of suffering that's almost unimaginable to the average person. Now, her recovery took two years and ten reconstructive surgery. At one point during that two-year period when she was lying in her hospital bed in a tremendous amount of pain, Christina heard a voice inside her head, a voice that was not her own. It turns out that the force from that explosion, in addition to doing a lot of damage to her body, had opened up her psychic gift. She had become clairaudient. And the voice she heard as she lay in her hospital bed that day in so much pain was the voice of one of her spirit guides. And the guide said to her, do you plan this? And of course, she said, why? And then the guide told her, and here's what he said. He said, you wanted before you were born to have an incarnation as a gifted healer, and you planned pre-birth to suffer this devastating bomb explosion because you knew that if you could heal yourself from the effects of this bomb explosion, You would then be able to take all of that wisdom and knowledge about healing and turn it outward in service to others. And there you see the intent of service that we talked about a moment ago. Well, this is, in fact, exactly what happened. After Christina recovered from the 10 reconstructive surgeries, she went on to get a Ph.D. in speech-language pathology, and she set up a private healing practice. And at this point in her career, she's healed literally thousands of people. She actually has the ability to go into a patient's brain energetically, and by which I mean non-invasively, and restore language processing capability in people who have lost that due to stroke or accident. So an extraordinarily gifted healer, and the only reason she can do any of this is because she healed herself from that bomb explosion. Now, when I interviewed Christina for Your Soul's Plan, she said two remarkable things to me. The first was she said, Rob, I have completely forgiven the person who planted that bomb. Now, remember, this is somebody who had magnets held above her eyeballs in the hospital. So for her to go through that kind of suffering and then tell me in complete sincerity that she's reached the place of total forgiveness, that's really quite remarkable. But then she said something even more amazing, Eldon. She said, Rob, I am deeply grateful to the person who planted that bomb. And when she says she's deeply grateful, she really and truly means it. This, to me is one of the most powerful stories I've heard. It shows what you can do with an awareness of your pre-birth plan. It's an unusual story in that it's a bomb explosion, but Christina herself is not unusual. She's like you and me. And if she can get to that place of total forgiveness and total gratitude after what she went through, then you and I and everybody listening today, we can all do it in regard to whatever our challenges may have been. Now, that's not to say it was easy for her, It took a period of years and there was a quite considerable rage that she had to work through. But because she came into a knowing of her pre-birth plan and really worked with it over a period of time, she was able to let go of that, feel that anger, and get to that place of complete forgiveness and gratitude for her life
0: challenge. That's a powerful story, but it's also an antidote. um, I'm not sure that it addresses the larger picture. We look at the Earth very often, again, in New Age parlance as Gaia, alive. And, uh, you know, like the body, there are all kinds of uh, beings on this planet, some of which might be looked at as dis-ease. So my real question is this. Right now, the war drums are beating in Washington, D.C., as a nation, we're very aware of, you know, <clears throat> disease outbreaks. We're aware of what's going on in Pakistan and and Afghanistan and and Syria and ISIS and and so on and so forth. My daily life, when I hear that this um, that this reporter was just beheaded, should I be supporting? Uh, those war drums to go over there and eliminate ISIS like it's some kind of disease, a cancer cell in a human being? Or am I to be forgiving them and loving them and allowing them to prosper, to continue as the bad guys? Because after all, that must be part of our plan.
2: Well, ultimately, as I understand it, your hope would be to evolve to a place of uh, total non-judgment, total non-attachment, and total non-resistance to everything that happens on the earth plane, when you get to that place, total non-judgment, non-resistance, non-attachment, that's one definition of enlightenment.
0: But But isn't there a difference between, I don't mean to interrupt you, Rob, but isn't there a difference between judgment and discernment? I mean... When we hear that uh, the wisdom says we'll divide the child in half and each of you can have half of a child, are we not looking at a discernment as opposed to a judgment that's made by a very wise Solomon, looking out there to see which mother is going to be good with dividing him in half?
2: I think there is an important distinction to be made between discernment and judgment. And this is the kind of uh, discussion that comes up in some of the pre-birth planning sessions. We heard souls talking about a desire to become what they referred to as self-referencing. And they actually used the word self-referencing in the planning session. Basically what that meant was that um, I think we live in a historical time period, Eldon, in which we are conditioned by society at large, by our parents, teachers at school, to believe that whatever question or problem you have, there's an expert out there somewhere who has the answer. And all you have to do is consult the expert, do what they say, and that will be the proper way to live your life. From the sole vantage point, that's a tremendously disempowered way to live a life. And there were souls in their pre-birth planning sessions who had lived a number of lifetimes in just that way. When they had their life review, they saw that they had this tendency, and they resolved to come back into body with the purpose, the Dharma, of becoming more self-referencing, which means getting to that distinction between judgment and discernment so that they could discern for themselves what is the highest course of wisdom and the highest path of love for me in my lifetime?
0: All right. Let's, let's move on for a minute then. I, I'm, 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 I'm with you, uh, and at the same time, I suppose I am just not evolved enough to be unattached to uh, some of what goes on in the world. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, Your work also suggests that we choose diseases and illness. So I, I assume the bad guys can choose to be good guys, and if they do, they get extra karma points. Uh, so we didn't really need to have an Adolf Hitler or these ISIS guys because based on your earlier anecdote, um, you know, they can make a different decision. But how about disease? Can we make a decision to wait a minute let's abrogate that pre-life plan i'm not really interested in having that disease
2: i I believe it and my research shows that pre-birth plans are changed all the time after we get into body and i think in fact that's one of the things we do is we sleep at night Uh, we leave the physical body confer on the other side with those loved ones who are in the lifetime with us and we talk about how the pre-birth plan is going are we learning what we came here to learn and if the answer is no it is possible then to modify the pre-birth plan. But to answer your question more specifically about illness, in my first book, Your Soul's Plan, there is uh, an entire chapter on the pre-birth planning of illness. And uh, the story there is a gentleman who plans prior to birth to have AIDS. Now, you would say, why on earth would anybody want to have the experience of having AIDS? Well, there were a number of reasons for this. Uh, One of them was that this was a very highly evolved soul who was coming in to have this experience to be a teacher to others. In other words, we live in a time period in which, as you know, there are a lot of judgments about people who have AIDS. And we all know what these are. They are things like he or she must have been promiscuous, he or she should have used protection, uh, some people believe that AIDS is God's way of punishing homosexuals for being homosexual. So, this soul, before coming into body, was aware of all of these sorts of judgments that we as a society have about people who have AIDS. And he said, I'd like to do something about that. I will come into body with a plan to contract AIDS so that I can be a teacher to others, so that I can give them the opportunity to learn compassion, to express compassion to learn and express complete non-judgment. Uh, that's the main motivation for coming into body to do that. Uh, and he is really a very courageous, very highly evolved soul who here has taken on uh, a life plan that's extremely challenging that most of us wouldn't dare to take on. And yet because we as a society don't know about pre-birth planning, uh, we have all these very harsh judgments of people who have illnesses like A.
0: Let me play devil's advocate for a second, Robert. Uh, when you do hypnosis, it's very easy to suggest scenarios to people. Um, someone in an altered state, uh, when encouraged to find a reason, can do all sorts of justifications. Indeed, we know that you know some of your best liars lie under hypnosis. So... Um, When when you place a person that's had an experience in their life, it's a horrible experience and they're trying to find meaning out of it and they're in this altered state of consciousness and they're expected to find the meaning out of it, it's quite possible they're confabulating their entire story. Have you interviewed someone who has told you about their life plan that they will do something, they will suffer an injury, they will get a disease, but it hasn't arrived yet, and then you've seen it arrive later. Or all of our stories about people who are explaining events that have happened to them in the past?
2: Well, again, the, the two books, Your Soul's Plane and Your Soul's Gift, these are not based on uh, between-lives regressions. These are based on sessions with mediums and channels, in which we ask spirits, did this person plan this experience before birth, and if so, why? And then I present in the books all the information that came forward. But the stories
0: you've just given us, were those stories, are they explained by the person, or are they explained through a medium?
2: The stories I just shared with you came through the mediums and through the channels. So it's the medium
0: books. that said the reason the pipe bomb was there, and it's the medium that said uh, the reason you got AIDS. It wasn't the individual themselves.
2: No, with the bomb story, it was the individual herself. She's reporting conversations she had herself with her spirit guide.
0: Okay, and but with the other person, it was a medium then.
2: That's correct.
0: Okay. All right. Well, now, I mean that just a matter of putting some light on things for me. Let's talk about some fun stuff, okay? Uh, Tell me about walk-ins. What's a walk-in?
2: Walk-in, as I understand it, uh, occurs when a soul has done one of two things. They've either completed what they came to do or they've concluded that they're not going to be able to do what they came to do. And in either instance it's appropriate for the lifetime to end. Now normally when a lifetime ends of course the physical body ceases to function but a walk-in occurs when there's a soul back in spirit who wants to do or learn something in particular here on the earth plane but whatever it is that they want to do or learn it doesn't require them to go through infancy and childhood and so the soul's attitude is simply one of why waste time when it's not necessary. So when the soul originally inhabiting the body walks out, so to speak, instead of the body ceasing to function, the other soul walks in. And this is why uh, sometimes when somebody has a severe illness or a severe accident, uh, the loved ones notice that there's a big change in personality. Often that's because a walk-in occurred. The original soul walked out, a new soul walks in, and the new soul has its own personality, which is foreign to the loved ones in that person's life.
0: And so now the new soul has a different plan, uh, and that's the reason they're taking over this body?
2: That's correct, and I'll, I'll share an interesting story with you. Please. Uh, it's, my, it's my understanding that um, towards the end of the war with Iraq, Saddam Hussein, before he was captured, was walking along a riverbank in Iraq, and his soul chose to walk out of his body. There was another soul, an extremely highly evolved, high vibrational soul on the other side, that chose to walk into the body when he walked out. Now, understand that that walk-in is occurring with the soul knowing that Hussein is about to be captured, imprisoned, tried, and put to death. So you would say, why on earth would any soul want to go through that experience? Well, there are a lot of very good reasons. Think of all the things that could be learned through going through a very intense experience like that. And what I found most interesting about this story, there was an officer from one of the American security agencies who was sent to Iraq to interview Hussein in his jail cell during the time at which he was on trial. And when he got there, he was very surprised by what he found because, He expected, of course, some kind of monster, but what he found was that Hussein was soft-spoken, peaceful, gentle. And this security uh, person was interviewed on 60 Minutes, and he said, you know, Hussein is not at all what I expected. He was writing poetry in his jail cell. And then he said something quite interesting. He said, it's almost as though he's a different person. Well, as I understand it, he was, in fact, a different person at that point because a walk-in had taken place.
0: Interesting, and a, and a Muslim has, or a Muslim couldn't forgive me. A medium has communicated this to you. That's correct. Okay. All right. Well, we have another break coming up. So before I take you off, you know, into the world of worldwide awakening, and what you mean when you discuss that, and how the world is awakening, uh we'll get the break in, and when we come back, we'll pick that up. All right. We hope you're enjoying our show today. Be sure to check out Robert's website at your soul's plan. Y O U R S O U L S plan, P L A N dot com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after paying some bills.
3: You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Elton Taylor. Do you feel like you've become lost in the funhouse, only seeing the reflection of yourself, past, future, and present? But unable to find the real you, I invite you to step through the doorway and onto a pathway leading to understanding of your mind, your choices, and the influences that surround you. Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestselling book, Choices and Illusions. Now expanded, updated, and revised, it will provide you with real-life examples of how you can break free of your current perceptions and begin your journey to how high is up. Get your copy today from all bookstores or online from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble.
4: The changes I've seen in my life are truly a blessing. InnerTalk has given me the tools to repair deep-seated beliefs that constantly worked against me. I find myself happier and more successful since I've used the InnerTalk programs. I encourage you to discover the power of your beliefs by visiting www.innertalk.com and selecting your title for change.
5: There's a hidden secret in the Northwest. Well, it's not really a secret, but it's not very well-known either. Elton and their discovered the neatest bookstore in Sandpoint, Idaho. The store is called Zero Point Crystal. And when you enter the premises, you face a six-foot-tall quartz crystal that gives off an unbelievable radiance. Books, music, gemstones, lapidary specialties, singing bowls from Tibet, essential oils, and so much more fill this special sanctuary. If you're in the area, be sure to check them out. If not, visit their website at www.zeropointcrystals.com. You won't
3: be sorry you did. The great courses cover a
0: broad array of university-level disciplines. The lectures in each course are either 30 or 45 minutes long. By listening for less than an hour a day, you can finish even the longest course in just weeks. Browse our catalog or website at thegreatcourses.com and imagine how much you could learn if you spent just 30 minutes a day for the next year in the best college classrooms in the world. The lecturers are university professors carefully selected by The Great Courses and its customers for intellectual distinction and teaching excellence.
5: If you haven't yet read Mind Programming, you're in for a real awakening. Like the red pill, ignore the book at your own peril. Here's what author Angelina Hart had to say about the book, Mind Programming is a brilliant expose on how we've become unconsciously enslaved to that which we haven't understood. Eldon Taylor exposes and explodes the old world view of fear and lack that has generated direct and indirect manipulation of our minds without our awareness or permission. With well-earned insight, he offers proven pathways of self-empowerment that entrain our consciousness towards the model of unity and abundance that negates the survival paradigm. In a period when fear has reached a frenzied pitch, Taylor shines a brilliant spotlight to dispel the darkness. Get your copy today at fine bookstores everywhere or online from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Books a Million.
0: Ravinder and I love supporting causes we believe in. We both feel the pain when we see an animal abused. Call it empathy or what you will, the pain is very real. We both also celebrate with joy the wonderful stories of animal rehabilitation. Indeed, it can be goosebump time. We urge you to get involved and lend aid to your local animal shelter. Or in the alternative, make your donations to the Humane Society of the United States. You can read about their work and make that donation by going to www.humanesociety.org. You can make a difference, but only if you act. Thank you.
5: Hi, I'm Jen Reich, and you're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. This poem is called Iffy. He walked the trail of what ifs searching for his path, and it seemed quite complicated when he stopped to do the math. So he decided that he'd rather fail than be afraid to try. And so he stood up for his dreams, then
4: bid what-ifs goodbye.
0: Hi, I'm Eldon Taylor, and you're listening to Provocative Enlightenment Radio. I'm so glad you could join me as we tackle those tough questions in search of the answers that really matter. But remember, this is a journey we are undertaking together, so I would love to hear your thoughts as well. Please send your comments to Eldon, that's E-L-D-O-N, at Eldontaylor.com. You can also join in the conversation by joining me on Facebook at Dr. Eldon Taylor, that's D-R-E-L-D-O-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're speaking with Robert Schwartz about his work and books, Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift. We'll take your phone calls in this half hour, so if you have questions of our guests, either give us a call or submit your questions in our chat room. Now Robert, we just played My Town by Michael Stanley. You know, when you ask somebody give us three songs that uh, are important to you, three songs that you really like, there's an amazing amount of of insight that we gain about our guests as a result of this. So what's the story with this one, Robert?
2: Michael Stanley is a singer who was very, very popular in Cleveland when I was growing up here in the 70s. And he used to put 80,000 people into Cleveland Stadium. And, you know, I had a, a difficult upbringing and uh, there were a lot of challenges within my family. And it was in his music that I really found refuge and solace and comfort. There's um, a grittiness and a, a determination and just a lot of soul in his lyrics and in his voice. And it was it was really a refuge for me.
0: Cool, cool. All right. Before the break, I suggested that uh, you know, we were going to look at an idea that That flows through both of your books and all of your work, and that's that the world is waking up, that somehow we're becoming more conscious. And, uh, you know, flesh that out. I I mean, when I look out into the world, I think our conversation up to now pretty clear. Um, I'm failing to see us waking up. Um, From your perspective, uh, you know, what's going on?
2: When I use the the term waking up, what I have in mind is the shift in self-identity, and it's a shift from what you could call personality body consciousness to soul consciousness. So what does this mean? I think the average person, perhaps not those listening today, but the average person is very heavily identified with the body, with the personality, with their thoughts and with their feelings. They believe that that's who they really are. I don't think that that's true. I think that who we really are are holy, eternal, courageous souls. The body, the personality, our thoughts, our feelings, these are things we have, things we carry. But just because you have a thing, that doesn't mean that you are the thing you have. For example, if you have a horse, that obviously doesn't mean that you are a horse. And by the Mm -hmm. same token, just because you have a body of personality and thoughts and feelings, that doesn't mean you are those things, you're not. They're just things you have, things you carry. So one of the intentions of my work, both in the books, Your Soul's Planning, Your Soul's Gift, and also in, in the hypnotherapy work, is to help people make this shift from personality body consciousness to soul consciousness, to come to see yourself as the divine, very powerful, uh, and very courageous being who left a realm of love and light and peace and joy to come here into body to experience great challenges. So that you could be of service to others, balance karma, heal, learn, grow, and evolve. That's what I mean by waking up. And I think more and more people around the world are making that shift and coming into that knowing.
0: I think you're right. I think you're right. I definitely hope you're right. That's for certain. Okay, let's. Let's. I've got some questions out of the chat room that I'm going to get to in a minute. But uh, I'll be selfish for another moment or two and, and ask you a couple of other questions. Talk to me about ascension. You know, we we have life plans. We talked about Dharma and Karma. And of course, that implies Moksha, and Nirvana. Talk to me about ascension. Is it real?
2: You know, there are many, many different definitions of ascension. Which? What is your definition of ascension?
0: Well, I, I would have many different uh, versions of it as well. It could be uh, that blue-white flame that doesn't, if you do it right, even leave a speck of dust. Uh, an ash, Uh, and it could be, on the other hand, you know, the kind of event that we hear uh, Moses took. So, yeah, Moses, you got Elijah, and you got the compendium between. So what is your definition, and does that exist?
2: I, I believe that ascension does exist as I define it, and my definition would be that the Earth as a physical planet and the beings who are upon the Earth, you and me and everyone listening, are moving from the third dimension through the fourth and into the fifth. Now, what are the fourth and fifth dimensions? Well, again, there are many different definitions, and it depends on who you talk to. But I think basically what is happening is that we are moving, again, it's a shift from self-identity. We're moving from a place where we identify ourselves as purely physical beings into a higher frequency, a higher vibration, where we understand that we are spirit in body. That's the transition through the fourth dimension. And then the fifth dimension, as I understand it, is a dimension of oneness consciousness, uh, which we talked about a moment ago.
0: Okay, so that would be the Buddhist uh, nirvana or the Hindu moksha, more or less, the immersion one in the one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Talk to me then about divine intervention. Uh, There's all kinds of stories anecdotal stories there's you know some pretty compelling evidence for that matter about divine intervention but if there's just oneness uh, you know who's doing the intervening tell me about that what's your take on it
2: well it's the one being who's doing the intervening which i understand seems paradoxical and it's hard to wrap the human brain around a lot of these things and that's why I've always felt that the you know, to really understand higher spiritual concepts, it's not particularly helpful to try to approach it through logical analysis because the the human brain is really a biocomputer and as with any computer the outputs are wholly dependent upon the inputs. It's actually the heart that has a higher form of knowing. And I don't mean the physical heart. I mean the core of love that I believe is at the center of every being. So it's a more intuitive understanding of these principles. So when you talk about divine intervention, it's an individualized expression of the one intervening in the life of another individualized expression of the one. As I understand it, that happens quite frequently, although generally we don't recognize it as divine intervention.
0: I see. Now, w- when you talk about the heart, I guess I, ha- I kind of have to, I want to un, uh, un- muddy, if you will, <clears throat> clear the waters here a little bit. Research shows us clearly that uh, if um, an fMRI technician watching the brain make a decision, will know what the decision is going to be six seconds, six to ten seconds, before the subject making the decision. In other words, Rob, you could be making a decision, and the MRI technician would know what you would decide six seconds before you know what you're going to decide. So when you use this language about the biocomputer, this scripting that's going on, we we could call that anything but the screen language, which is the conscious mind. It's this unconscious, this reservoir of all this information, all the negative input, all, all the positive input that's doing the biocomputing. Uh, how does that fit with the notion of... Uh, a plan, a pre-life plan. Um, are we supposed to be programming this unconscious that way? Are we supposed to be uncovering what's in our unconscious? Are we supposed to be coming fully aware and awake of our decisions, our aptitudes, and the things that that uh, that we do that are, shall we say, automatic or have been computed by the language behind the screen, the I compiler. Think, yeah.
2: I think a lot of the process of learning wall in body on the earth plane and coming to what we would call enlightenment has to do with stripping away distortions in the way we look at the world. Uh, you could think of it as though each person has wearing a pair of goggles, and rather than being completely clear so that we see the world as it is, everybody has certain layers of translucent colored tape that are over the goggles, and these layers of tape distort what we see. The layers of tape are things like false beliefs, false perceptions, Uh, and the process of enlightenment involves stripping them off the goggles until eventually there are none and we see the world as it really is. So from my perspective, the sort of conditioning that the human brain receives from birth onward very often contributes to these layers of tape that distort our perception of the world, we are indoctrinated into certain beliefs that, from my perspective, are false, very limiting beliefs about how we are powerless or unworthy or other things of that sort. And from the soul's perspective, these are not true. The soul knows itself to be infinitely powerful and infinitely worthy. In fact, at the level of the soul, at the ultra-high vibration at which the soul resides, Really, the concept of worthiness is actually a meaningless concept, because it only has meaning if there are unworthy beings, and the soul knows that there is no such thing. So part of the growth process involves unlearning these false beliefs that we're indoctrinated with very early on in our lives.
0: Okay, so it does does involve getting in and doing the dirty work and discovering what's in your mind and what's predisposing your behavior. I'm going to go to the uh, chat room now for a moment. Elaine from the chat room says the problem with that, and, and that the that will become clear, is that then when terrible things happen to people, others can say he she chose to get his head cut off, wanted that experience, or she chose to have a husband ah uh, cut her nose off, etc. And that is too hard. And and one might also add to Elaine's comment. Is that really a healthy perspective for our society to have, to look out there and say, oh, well, that, that, that's, that was part of their pre-life plan. There was some lesson for them there. You know, what will be, will be.
2: Well, this, this is a question that I spent a lot of time thinking about and asked Jesus about in a number of the channelings we did for the second book. Uh, and in particular, I asked him the question, you know, if somebody does something that breaks the law and harms another person, Do we not hold the person accountable because we just say, well, they all agreed to this before they were born? And his response was, no, that you do hold the person accountable, that the act of holding them accountable is also part of the pre-birth planning. So to not hold the person who's done harm accountable would show a lack of wisdom and a lack of compassion for the person who has been hurt. Uh, and it's also not in the best interest of the evolution of the soul that did the harm in the first place, because the act of being held accountable contributes to their growth and learning. So and, he was know, quite he was quite clear on
0: that. You know, some people are very empathetic, uh, empathic, uh, and when they see some of these horrible acts, uh, they actually feel them. Um, they hurt. Uh, Is that part of the plan as well? I mean, you know, these horrible things are going on and in our world of 24-7 media, uh, we're all exposed to things that just simply we wouldn't have been uh, 100 years ago. Um, Are we supposed to, as as a larger group, respond to, you know, to feel the horror of these events?
2: I, I think that a large part of what the soul wants you and I, the incarnate personality, to do on the earth plane is to move away from what has now become an over-reliance on conceptual thought and intellectual processes and move down again into the heart, which is that place of feeling that you just referred to. So one of the things I see in my work when we go into people's pre-birth planning sessions, either with the mediums or in the hypnosis, is that very often... Souls are planning big life challenges in order to cultivate certain qualities, which I've come to refer to as divine virtues. Uh, These are things like compassion, empathy, forgiveness, patience, unconditional love. There's a list of about 28 of them I've put together now that have come up more often in the pre-birth planning sessions than others. Again, empathy is one of them. So if you tell me that people are particularly empathetic, My take on that is that empathy, probably for those people, is one of the divine virtues that cultivated in a number of past lives and brought into body as the strength, an existing strength, in the current lifetime.
0: All right. Clifton Fadiman said, And God plagued man with the ability to think. Is that what you're telling me? It it
2: depends on the extent to which you rely on it. I'm not saying that thought is a, a plague per se. I don't want to say that. I just think that we've become over-reliant on, uh, on the brain, on intellect. You know, of course, in Miracles, there's a very, there are many profound lines in the Course, but one of them that really stands out to me, uh, it says, perception requires the right instrument. And so I, I would suggest to you that trying to perceive higher spiritual truth through the intellect is like trying to perceive weight with a thermometer or temperature with a bathroom scale. It's simply the wrong instrument.
0: It's a good metaphor. I like that one. All right, Mod Girl says, my question was how does Schwartz receive his messages, and if it is a clairaudience, does he hear different voices speaking?
2: Again, I myself am not a professional medium or channel. I have had personal clairaudience experiences, Experiences, but those are not in the book, and I don't do that for private clients. So the information from Spirit that's in the two books, that came through mediums and channels who are my colleagues and collaborators. But the information that comes through in the hypnotic regressions that I do for private clients, that information they obtain directly themselves in the trance state during the session.
0: Right, but her question is a fairer question in a broader sense, just going to your instrument of perception. The fact is, you know, the science shows us very clearly that we are predisposed and we predispose those folks around us. Um, so I think it's a fair question when you have the experience and now you've clearly made it, you know, uh, we understand that, that's not what you've articulated in your books. When you have the experience, um, do you hear different voices?
2: I have not had an experience of hearing voices. What I experienced Claire audience, to be was, uh, I'll use the term download for lack of a better term. So, for example, I once had an experience in which uh, there was a particular question on my mind. And I just sat down on the sofa in my living room, and I said it out loud. I said, Spirit, guys, and I asked the question. And in the instant I finished asking the question, there was this transmission of information that answered it. that was instantaneous, and I can only describe it as a download. It had a quality or a feel to it that made it clear to me it was coming from another source. And in that instant, uh, I knew completely the answer to the question I had asked
0: cool okay i'll accept that i certainly know that one let me uh let me ask you some more fun things if i can uh tell me about the spiritual purpose of pets
2: i think pets teach us how to be unconditionally loving there's a story in my second book your soul's gift about a woman who plans for reasons of her own to be a dwarf in this lifetime she's actually four feet eight inches tall and She knew before she came into body that this would be a very difficult experience, particularly in childhood when she knew that the other children would ostracize her. So she planned to have a lot of unconditional love in the form of many different pets. In her pre-birth planning, these pets are actually there in the planning session. There are different dogs, different cats. There are horses. There's a a rooster named Crooked Beak, And they all come in, and they basically say to her, We agree to love you unconditionally as you go through this very difficult experience of being so much shorter than everybody else. And In fact, that's exactly the way her life has gone. The experience of being a dwarf has been tremendously emotionally challenging. But her whole life she's been surrounded by pets who provide her with the sort of unconditional love that many people have not been able to provide.
0: All right. I'm going to have to ask you this. You know, reincarnation is this religious or philosophical concept that the soul or the spirit after biological death begins a new life in the new body. We all get that, right? It's a central tenet of, you know, Indian religions as well as more modern, like Ekankar Theosophy and Spiritism. Sikhism, however, well, and and not just Sikhism, but Sikhism says that we evolve through 8,400,000 forms of life. So now, what say you? Is transmigration real? Do we make a plan to be that rooster, perhaps, joining our friend who's decided to be a dwarf? Does that go on?
2: This is not something that I have researched specifically, but I'll just share one anecdotal bit with you. I have a very good friend who, she's not a professional medium, but she has the abilities of one. And she planned for reasons of her own uh, not to have children in this lifetime, and she never has. But when she was back on the other side planning her life, there were a couple of other souls who expressed a very strong desire to reincarnate with her. They had been her children in a previous lifetime in which they were all Native Americans. And she explained to them, in this lifetime, I'm not going to have children. And so they came in uh, they planned to be her pets, uh, and they they came in as two different dogs in this lifetime. So wow. their desire to be with her was so strong that they were willing to do that.
0: All right, sir. I want our listening audience, uh, I'm going to get this one in so I'm sure we do. I want our listening audience to know how to get a hold of you. I understand that you're working a new book and that you are Uh, trading, if you will, their stories for some of your services. Uh, um, Tell us how our audience can get a hold of you, how they can learn more, where they can get your books.
2: Well, the website, again, is YourSoulsPlan.com. They can reach me through the contact form there, or my email address is Rob.schwartz that's the H-W-A-R-T-Z, at YourSoulsPlan.com. The books you can find or order through any bookstore or library. Uh, for the next book, what I am doing is that I'm going to rely on uh, largely the hypnosis, the uh, regressions and the between-live sessions. And if there's anybody that would like to share their story in the book, contact me at rob.sportz at yoursoulsplan.com. Uh, briefly, in two or three paragraphs, tell me the major events and relationships of your life and if your story is one that fits in with what I'm writing, uh, I will uh, contact you and offer to do a free between-lives regression in which you can talk to the council, and we can find out why you plan the things that you've experienced in this lifetime.
0: All right. That's good. You know, we do a little bit of homework before we bring a guest on. One of the questions I didn't get to ask you, I'll just have to save it, but I'll tease our audience with there are a lot of 9/11 theories out there that tie themselves to your work and why 9/11 occurred. I, um, you know, it's a great both books, challenging reads. Uh, you've, you know, you've heard the story. I, you know, I'd recommend that you take a look at it. So we, we've come to the end of another episode of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank our guests. Thank you, Rob, for joining us today and for sharing so freely. And all of you out there, thank you. I hope you enjoyed our show and will join us again next week, same time and same place. And tell your friends, let's have them join us as well. Remember, if you have comments on our show, do please let us know. Okay, until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters. Provocative Enlightenment has been brought to you by Progressive Awareness Research and other sponsors. Provocative Enlightenment is a syndicated show and appears on other networks. For a schedule of showtimes, visit ProvocativeEnlightenment.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, write to Eldon at EldonTaylor.com.